Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Matewa, O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney out of Fitzgerald again, stamp and Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Everything's well, all good. Doing well. It's been a, a strange day, considering it's a Wednesday in the middle of the week, to have so much rugby news and so much stuff happening, lines related, even though I was even watching Australia-France this morning as well, and then the 20, oh, 20s. God, day. crazy. I know. I don't think it's any crazier than that, but... but here we are. Um, we're delighted to be joined by Keane Tracy tonight go, to go through it all. Keane, how are you getting on? Hey, lads. Uh, good. Yeah, I was watched the France-Australia game this morning. Absolutely. It actually, in some way, like the, the ending of that game was so mental. It just set up the rest of the day for being, like, what was it? A crazy day. Yeah, the 20s was decent as well. So, yeah, it was a, a Wednesday in July. You, you'd kind of take that, wouldn't you? Three, three decent um, teams to watch anyway, if not, not three decent games. But I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, so... Okay, so the Lions, obviously, they just finished the game against the Sharks, 54-7 winners. Kind of similar, I suppose, in terms of the opposition standard to the weekend. Maybe the Sharks were slightly better. Um, but obviously, the day was dominated by all the news around you know the COVID stuff in the camp and in the Springboks camp. There's a member of the coaching staff and one member of the playing staff who tested positive for COVID. There was a raft of close contacts who were ruled out at tonight's game, so they had to reach a good team. There was only one back on the bench. Um so to, to go to that first, like what, what's kind of your general thoughts? I suppose it was very frantic throughout the day. A lot of people kind of chaos, disarray. Now that we, the game has been played, you know, and we've a little more kind of knowledge or clarity on what's going on. Do you, do you feel any, I suppose, better about the tour at the moment than you did maybe two or three hours ago or four hours ago? Uh, sorry, you're going for me, Will, there. Yeah. I Look, I think, um, look, if you had to sacrifice a few midweek games it'd be a real shame and it'd be detrimental to obviously the preparation for, for the Lions uh, and obviously for South Africa I mean like they needed that game against Georgia very badly they have played like so little rugby uh, together in such a long time so like you know from a preparation standpoint it's not ideal thing is though we're still outside the two weeks for the first test so look I know it looks like it's unbelievably hard like we just don't know where these cases are coming from We both squads are supposed to be vaccinated uh, I know that doesn't stop you getting the disease, but apparently, you know, it's fairly, you know, really good chance that it's you, you get a very mild version of it, uh, and it should be it should be harder for you to get it. I think if that's correct, uh, but doesn't stop you from getting it. But um, leaving all sorry, all that being said, I think you know I'd still like to see things go ahead. Uh, I understand how difficult it was. Always going to be difficult going out there trying to control all these things that are really outside of your control, particularly when it comes to you know, the hotel staff and things like that. Um, but there's still enough time for them to, play, to, to to save the test series at this stage. And I think they should they should continue to try and do that. Um, and, you know, if they have to manoeuvre things around and they have to be a little bit creative with schedules, I think they should do that. Um, but yeah, look, we, we suspected there'd be, um, you know, this, this might be the situation on the ground out there. And, um, you know, we haven't been surprised by that. It is disappointing to see it. And we do hope really that no one uh, does get seriously sick. But at the same time, you know, everyone's vaccinated. So, like, you know, let's trust the scientists on this one. No one, everyone should only get a mild dose of this. Um, 
you know, please God, I suppose, uh, is probably an apt way to finish that sentence. Yeah, it was interesting to hear the uh, Lions CEO speaking on Sky before the game. He actually said that not every player has been doubly vaccinated as yet. So obviously there was a few late call-ups. So potentially, you know, they were maybe in a different boat if that's who he was referring to, Keen. Um, you know, what's your take on it? Obviously, as I said there, the game did go ahead in the end. We did get to see some rugby, but it was all looking very fraught and frantic dur- during um, during the afternoon. I- I'd be on Luke's. I'd be with Luke on that. I feel like a lot, there was a lot of people, or I saw a lot of people tweeting earlier saying, oh, is it past the point of no return already? I still would be of a mind that I, I think it actually sounded a lot worse than it actually was. I, I, I think, I actually thought the CEO spoke well. Now, he did say, we're, t- we're treating this almost as a positive, which, okay, let's not spin it too hard. Like uh, <laughs> The uh, irony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a great choice of words as well, treating it as a positive. But uh, I, I think if we just put our foot in the ball for a second and just maybe assess... As Luke said, a couple of weeks of the test series, I think it's still salvageable. I know some people will take the view that it's not worth salvaging anyway, but I wouldn't be of that view. What are you? What, where are you at the moment? I suppose my fear is that, like, so if we take the, the amount of the franchises who's all, who've already had COVID, um, obviously the Bulls game is off this weekend, which is like really disappointing because you would have hoped that they would have been, you know, one of the teams who might have given the Lions a good game which to be fair they really need like Luke has mentioned that South Africa need the games like it's all well and good the Lions going blowing these teams out but like they need a proper need a proper test before they play the box um, you look at Georgia they've had cases in their in their squad as well the box have had several cases um, and you know when they had the first raft of cases the box they were kind of saying oh well you know players had been travelling from Europe and wherever else and you could kind of write it off as that, but like Lou Jagger t- testing positive this week, you know, um, is a reminder that it's going to be like impossible really to, to keep it, the virus out. Um, I suppose like the, the fear is like the, the Delta variant, if that's what they're dealing with, um, is far more easily to be transmissible. So it can like run through the squads. Um, I think Luke is right um, in terms of like hotel staff and things like that. Your bubble can be unbelievably secure, and I'm sure like the Lions players and, and the box, you know, are doing everything they're supposed to be doing. But it's inevitable that people from outside your bubble are going to be, you know, in and around at certain stages. So my fear is that we get uh, this week um, that has been obviously the the box Georgia game is off, the Lions Bulls is off. What happens if some of the players on the Lions or the box um, test positive? And let's say it's um, you know, a couple of starters, I'm not going to name names, but a couple of starters from either team and they're ruled out then for the first test. And uh, it would just be such a pity if you're going into the first test and like it's not two full teams. Like you, you look at the team that have to play tonight at such short notice. That would be my big fear um, that you arrive at the test series and you get a similar situation and it's not the full Lions team and it's not the full, the full box because like I said, I think it's going to be impossible to, to keep it out. But I would agree to try and keep it going um, as, they, as, as much as they can. But like realistically, the reason it is still going and the reason they are going to do everything they can is money. And that, that is really it. And I, I, like, I probably feel a little bit uncomfortable about that because you, I, we're so far away from South Africa in so many ways. But like, if you read the, the actual news reports away from the rugby, the, like the country is like in, in ribbons over there. And it, it, like, we feel kind of a bit removed from that so I can imagine that the backlash over there could be could be huge if if it, if it starts getting worse and more players are starting to pick up it because like there are bigger factors at play here realistically aren't there yeah, but it, is it important though to 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 compare or to not compare or I suppose our situation with theirs like I think this is coming to an existential issue for the South African Rugby Union it's desperation stakes. So it's very different to hear. Like we've been able to survive here. Like obviously it's not ideal, but like, you know, 15% pay cuts, their game is on the line there, you know? Like, so yes, I know money might be driving part of this. It's also like, it doesn't fit into the world, into the rugby schedule very well, you know, uh, particularly with World Cups on the horizon next year and all that. I, I don't think the unions want to go ahead. So it was either, it was going ahead this year or it wasn't based on the schedule. There just was no, there just wasn't enough room for it on that basis either. But I do think we need to be careful about saying that it's a real, it's it, like, it's, I don't think it's a money grab. I think it's money to stay alive. 
Do you know what I mean? If, 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 that's make, if that kind of makes sense. And I think as well, we have to remember, like most of the stuff, when we go bang here, everything gets bailed out by the EU. South Africa, that's not the case. If, the, if they get bailed out, they're not getting bailed out by the government. That's not how that's going to work over there. Um, so I don't know. Like, I mean, they, they've got some massive stadiums. They've got a fund. They've got all these kind of things over there that make this a very, very difficult decision for, for us to really... I just... I'm, I'm, I know I, I completely get it, Kim. I know exactly what you're saying. And I do feel a little bit of that myself. But at the same time, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and think, God, like if 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 it was a case of, you know, trying to risk this with people who are vaccinated, who are, yes, uh, you know, they might get sick, but they should really only get a mild dose of this. Is it worth, like, say, South African Rugby Union disappearing over this? Or should we have a go at least and try it and take the risk? Um, I don't know. I, I'm. I suppose I, 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 I'm not as black and white on this one. I'm not as black and white. I'm definitely of a mind that we should be problem solving the best we can to try to get this get this true. I, I, I know some people don't think the optics are great, but I'm just I'm just a, a bit surprised to the extent of which a lot of people, rugby people, seem to be like, "Oh yeah, okay, like let's just shut this down," or is it a really bad idea? Like I. I like, and obviously, I want to watch the game, so it is a bit kind of selfish. But I just, I just don't see why we should automatically be that. We should, I think, we should be trying to figure a way to get it done rather than automatically figuring a way. Okay, let's just shut it down. That's my view. I, I, I'm just a little surprised with how quickly a lot of people are just like, okay, yeah, it's let's just, it's a bad idea. Let's just end it, end it now. Who are you talking about, though, Will? Like, I mean, are you going off a, a Twitter, like you know, social media, like outrage, which is always like a bad place to judge? Like, I mean, I think most. People like would be, you know, agree that like let's try and find a way, but there probably will come a point. Like I said, so like even like a separate issue to away from the, the, the financial thing. And like I take Luke's point, but like to play devil's advocate, you know, if the South African Union are that desperate, it's still a money, it's still a financial reason. And while I totally accept his point, but just to play devil's advocate for a second. But what about like the integrity of the tour with the point I was making that if players are missing for this, when the series rolls around, which, and I'm taking like, like the pandemic, like to the side for a second, but what if you come to a, a point where you don't have the best players because of, you know, close contacts and stuff like that, how will people look back on that line series? Like what if Connor Murray misses um, the first test because he's a close contact and he misses a chance to captain the Lions, you know, in, in, in a test? That they're the kind of issues that, that I was trying to, to make to you guys at the first point. Like how will how will that be looked back on? I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair question. But it's, it's a, risk. a very it's fair a risk, question. I suppose. You know? Yeah, but it's a very fair question. But if you think like I think to my mind, like this pandemic has been very much like it, it never having lived through a war, I don't know. But I I'm I'm treating it it's like that without the destruction. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you know you know like I think. But the destruction it's, it's, is huge in South Africa, though. Like the no, but that's sorry. I'm I'm talking about death and destruction. Like it it doesn't have like there's there's so much death with this. But I'm I'm talking about the destruction part of war. It's not there, but it's kind of like that scenario where you know all bets are kind of off. Like there might be no sport for a couple of years with this thing, and that's kind of what where we have been, um, for for the last while. Um, I, and I would be of the, the view that like you should be kind of problem solving this one. As I said, I think it yes, it, it's course money is 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 a factor in this. But as I said, it's a different kind of money. It's not like people are making money on this. It's an existential thing. Like they either get this money uh, or the, the whole thing could fold, and we don't see it again. Um, you know, I I just, I just don't know where they go. It like does like what happens to South African rugby if this doesn't go ahead? If they don't play another game for another year, what happens? Do they go into receivership and what? Does someone bail them out? I don't know. I don't, like who, what happens there. But, but, I don't know. But is that like? Uh, is that a, is, is that, that a good enough reason uh, to take a risk? I don't know. I, I don't know if it is yeah. though. Like I mean, like 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 I said, like if you've been reading the reports, like there's people dying in corridors and stuff in hospitals over there. Like the death rate is huge. I don't think it's uh, the South African Union going out of business. Like. And I'm not trying to like be over dramatic here, like, but I just think the situation is sounds pretty grave over there when you look at the hospitalizations and the deaths. So, like, a union being in financial trouble, I think, is 
what's rugby got to do with people being like that, that's going to happen anyway well like what's it, rugby got to do but, with it but people are still have to work over there like you know people are still in and around the lions hotel and stuff who are like these workers are they vaccinated like i mean are they you know are they part of the, the, the people who are out in the public like so would you say they'd rather be working like i wouldn't imagine the social welfare situation in, in south africa would be very good no absolutely like i mean and it's such a complicated issue they'd rather take the risk and work yeah potentially but like south african is such a complicated country like at the best of times anyway because of the the, the clear divide that's there but like i, I agree I, I can understand the point you're making i just think we need to be careful about saying that a union going bust is more important than like no, we're, i don't think we're saying that i just think we're saying what well, like that they're they're doing this because they, they, they want to take a chance on this because they feel like the risks are fairly minimal because most of them have most of their squads have been vaccinated so those people should be fairly safe uh i think they're saying that yes we want to try and play the games because we don't want the union to fold i wouldn't equate that i don't i think the two things are separate i'd say they're they, they're mutually exclusive it just happens to be in a situation where the, the country's under massive pressure like for like 40 people traveling over there to play against another you know team of 30 people you know including you know, staff and all that. Like, is that really going to change the COVID situation over there? I don't think it is. Like, I, I suppose I've struggled a bit with, with people say, saying it, it's not a good look. I just don't see what's wrong. Like, their businesses have to, like, you know, essential services have to keep going on. And rugby's certainly not an essential service. But, like, people, people want to get on with things. And I don't see how... I just... I'm struggling to find the connection but between... But just to reiterate team. a point I made last week, like, we had in Ireland had one of the biggest COVID spikes in the world in January and rugby was played across the entire month. Nobody really raised any objections that I recall when Leinster played Munster in the rescheduled fixture or all the other interpros went on. We had like 8,000 cases, I think, the day that Leinster played Ulster at the RDS. I don't recall any that being held up as bad optics or a particularly bad look. Obviously, there's a travel element involved with the lines, but there's not that many players going down, really, when you think of it. They've all been double vaccinated, bar maybe a handful of people. So that element... I don't think is a big is a huge deal. Well, it isn't for me or, or when I think about you know what's going on. I think that part of the optics, if it wasn't a big deal in Ireland, then I'm not sure why it would be a huge deal now because our COVID situation, I think, is pretty similar to what South Africa are going through. The key thing, if the lions do the lions going down there make the COVID situation in South Africa worse? I don't know. No, I don't think so. well, no. The seventy people, the seventy people traveling down there, they've all been vaccinated. I like. Do they make it worse? Do they make the situation in South Africa worse, they don't. You know, the real question is whether the players are putting their, you know, and are, are putting people at risk, but they're all vaccinated. So they're trying, the risks of them passing it on and actually catching it are less. They can still get it. And of course they can still pass it on, but it's still less. And the risk to their health is fairly minimal uh, given the, the data. I, I, I think it's a simple thing. Like, do they increase the risk? Do they make the situation of COVID worse in South Africa? They certainly don't. So I don't see how people are equating this with that. I really don't. I think it's a real, I think, actually think it's it's quite poor, actually. I think people are really putting pressure on this tour. It's a real, like, it's an easy line, I think, to use at the moment. Um, and I actually don't think it's right. I don't, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's kind of overshadowing this tour. Um, and I think the only real question you have to ask yourself, once you figure out that they're not increasing the risk of, um, of you know COVID getting worse in South Africa. Once you once you, once you establish that, well, the the only question remaining is: Are they making you know? Are they, is it a danger for the squad or the people who are involved? And I think they've all been vaccinated, so I don't think so. I I don't know. I, I'm that's where I'm sitting with it, and I'd like to see the bloody thing go ahead. Yeah, like it's an interesting debate. I think it's definitely a conversation worth having. We had it last week. We've had it this week. It's going to continue on. Obviously, the game is cancelled against the Bulls this weekend. It's uncertain you know, some of the other matches. So we'll, it'll be something we'll probably talk about next week as well. But okay, we might move on to on-pitch matters now. I That was a, a fairly lengthy intro into it all. It's so topical, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, like tonight's game, obviously, it was a rejig side. Josh Adams put in another big shift, another hat-trick. I think he's the first player to follow four tries with a three-try a three try performance since Tom Grace in the 74 tour. There's a staff for everything. So one of the lines are involved. Duan van der Merwe with a hat-trick as well. Anyone in particular has jumped out to you across tonight's game and then even the weekend? Um, from an Irish perspective tonight, I thought Ian Henderson had a good game. Um, thought he led the team very well. I mean, the one thing you'd have to say about the performance, besides the the Sharks being pretty pretty poor, let, let's be fair, um, was that like 
it was a rejig team from the Lions' point of view. They got there late. They weren't able to go through their whole routine. I'm sure that like would count for something. It must be pretty annoying. Luke would obviously know much more about that than I would. Uh, so they, like, they did play pretty well. They did adapt pretty well. And I know that's their mantra, like, you know, as it has been for most teams throughout it. But, um, yeah, I thought Henderson played pretty well. I thought Bundyaki was good in fits and starts. Um, I really think that he's going to be, like, there and thereabouts to start that first test. I just think Gatland is, like, he's such a Gatland-type player. Um, I think I made the point uh, to, your, to me when I was on a few weeks ago. Like, I think Bundy's chances hinge on where he sees Owen Farrell fitting in, which I know is Luke's uh, big thing. But Farrell was Farrell was decent as well at, at 10, to be fair, today as well. Uh, I thought Cowan Dickey was good. I think that the battle for Hooker, I think, is going to be fascinating. Um, like Ken Owens played pretty well against Japan and then Jamie George has come in and, to be fair, looks to be finding his form again. But Cowan Dickey just gives you so much, doesn't he? I wonder will they start looking at his um, chop tackle style, though, because, Jesus, like there's times where you're looking at it going, is that fully legal? Like it's oh, there was a couple. There was one tonight from a that HIA as well. That, that, that HIA yeah. wasn't a good one. No, from the, from the final. No, no I like. I couldn't like. I'm not like. I'm not an expert on concussion and head injuries, and I'm going to say that from the outset. But even in terms of like the following day, he got on a flight to South Africa. I was very surprised that like you can do that. Like he looked like he looked like he was knocked out cold in the in the final, and it was a nasty head injury. But um. I was surprised he was allowed on a flight, let alone to, to play. But um, anyway, yeah, he's, he, he looks to be playing pretty well. Um, who else stood out? Um, Tom Curry looked good, I thought. Um, like, it's so hard to... I feel like it's so hard to make proper judgments um, because, like, the standard of opposition just haven't, haven't been up to it yet, have they? And that's going to be the big fear for, for the Lions. I know the Springboks aren't going to play either, but where is the challenge going to come from? Like I said, the Bulls, you would have hoped, might have given them a good game. It's not happening this week. Um, like, so they're playing South Africa A. Will the box look to get a couple of players? I don't know how that will work with Bubbles, you know, try and get them game time and that. It's hard to see where they're going to be tested before the, the first test, which, which could be, like, a serious danger, I think. Yeah, it's funny. Before I turn on the Australia-France game earlier, Sky would have shown like a few five-minute highlight packages of the last Lions Tour warm games, and just it just shows how battle-hardened they were going into that test series. Like against the Blues, you had like you know Rico Ioanni, Sonny Bill Williams, Stephen Luatua. You know, against the Highlanders, Nahola was playing, Fekatoa was playing. Like they really got their All Blacks guys involved in those games. And the Lions lost two warm games, but it actually still got them in good stead going into it. And as you say, the standard has been very poor across the first two games. Luke, the, the, the 10 kind of battle is interesting. Like, Dan Bigger was the clubhouse leader after the Japan game. Finn Russell played at the weekend against the Lions. Don't know what you made of him in that game. Oh, I, I didn't think he had a great outing. Owen Farrell went back in the 10 tonight. Ron O'Gar actually uh, agreed with your point on Sky earlier as well. You'd be glad to know uh, between him going 10 and 12. And uh, Owen Farrell looked good in the first half, then went off with what looked like maybe a slight injury, but it was hard to tell. So all three of them have got a start so far. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, Raj knows, like, he, he's an excellent player. Like, he's a brilliant, brilliant 10. I think he's pretty, pretty average 12. Um, he looks brilliant when they're going, when you're on the front foot, you know, looks pretty average when you're on the back foot. Um, but he's world-class 10. He's a world-class 10. So good to see him get a run in there. Uh, I think Bigger is the clear leader there. Uh, you know, excellent. I think he's been kicking well off the ground as well. That's always, I think that's maybe been a point of difference between himself and Farrell in the past. I think Farrell just had a, maybe a slight edge there. Um, but I like Bigger. He's tough. Uh, you know, he's great. On, a weird thing, he's got great under the high ball. Uh, moving the ball around well. That was a lovely pass to uh, Ty, uh, Ty Byrne there a couple of weeks ago against Japan. Um, he's the clear leader at the moment and had a great Six Nations. Um, and I think Owen Farrell is starting from a bit of a standing start, having not played 10. Like, that's a big problem for him at international, I think. Um, Where does Russell this, fit in? Do you think like he played watching the game at the weekend with a friend, and he was doing all his little kicks and trying to throw a pass in his own line that was almost picked off? And we were just saying to ourselves, I guarantee you the English media or the UK media will be salivating. And then Sunday morning, I read immediately eight out of ten grabs hold of the test jersey in the Sunday Times. I was like, oh, dear, dreaming like he he's like he's a dirt tracker 100%. Like Johnny Sexton should be there because he'd actually he'd have a chance of starting that. Um. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get uh, go into that. But I, to me, uh, no. Like Finn Russell at uh, Interpro, kind of inter, you know, 
and he looks good in some international games in the lower lower standard ones, but never in the big ones. So uh, not for me. Um, great guy and all that. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not having a personal go at him. But I just it just doesn't do it for me at international level. Uh, it's the other two are definitely the the, the front runners in my opinion. Um, but with, with bigger, clear leader. Henderson has had a really good start to this, mm-hmm. uh, and he could be a guy. You know, like I'm not sure that that scrum half battle is is completely done and dusted. I'm not 100 sure on that one. Uh, pretty close to being done. I know he got selected as captain, but uh, I didn't think he had a great game against Japan. And um, I like um, Davies. I like him. I think he's very good. I don't think. Um, uh, uh, the, I know it's Scottish. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, like he was good. Um, in you know, for for he was decent when he came on. Um, against Japan and that, but I, I don't know. I, I not not a, not a huge fan of his. Um, I think the other two are, are better, and I think there's still a little bit of a battle to go for that. And with that in mind, I think Henderson actually might be in a in a nice little slot there with Alan Wynn gone. You know, he's you know captain's Ulster. Uh, he's played. A, he had a great Six Nations for uh, for Ireland. Um, you know, he can call the line out. Uh, does it regularly? Does it for Ireland ahead of James Ryan generally if they're both playing? Um, and yeah, he's just in good form. So yeah, he, he's one to watch. I wouldn't have had him in my test team at all going out there. Uh, but he could be a nice, you know, partner for for Atoje in there. So uh, that's an interesting one to watch. Um, you know, look, I think, um, you know, the, the, you mentioned the hooker battle. That is interesting. Um, I like Kevin Dickey. I like um, Jamie George, and he played well. But I just, I was surprised both of them got on. The tour, if I'm being honest, um, both very good players, but I actually thought Kevin Dickey, uh, I actually thought Kelleher outplayed him. Um, but look, I suppose that's probably a conversation that's been been and gone at this stage. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Ken Owens, and he could be like you know, he, he captains you know, he, he's leadership material as well. With Alan Wynn gone, uh, he's the kind of guy that could that could lead out a squad for you as well. So, there's you know, he gives you another option there. I think they're going to be looking for leaders. That's one big concern for me with this Lions squad. is you know, who fills in if Farrell is not there? If Farrell's not in the pitch, you know, who's the captain? Um, and Henderson, the likes of Henderson, the likes of Ken Owens can kind of help that. They'll be, you know, old heads, um, you know, captains regularly, you know, and I think um, that might favour them in selection. So that'll be an interesting spot to watch because maybe Ken Owens might not be the best out of the three in terms of playing ability. That's a very close battle, but I think the leadership team might take him over the edge. Yeah, team, one interesting interesting aspect of the way things have unfolded with the COVID cases and the Bulls game being cancelled is like some guys have gotten a lot of opportunity so far. Josh Adams is featured in every game. Ali Price, I think, is featured in every game as well. Some guys have barely even played. And with the Bulls game cancelled, you have Springbok A and then you have Stormers the week out. And usually the week out, Warren Gatlin will want his test team in situ. So that could mean there's only one real chance left for guys to put their hand up, which just by the rub of the green or however, whoever you were standing beside in the canteen where this COVID thing was shaken out, you might only have got get one half or one game to, to impress. Whereas some guys like Josh Adams has filled his boots with three games worth of tries. It, it's obviously very unlucky for some guys, but that seems how it's going to shake out. Yeah, and there was less midweek games on this tour to start with anyway. So like guys were always going to be up against it. So they absolutely are. Like it's, it was always going to be the case as well that the Springbok Bears who, you know, were involved or franchises weren't going to be involved because of the, the bubble reasons and stuff. And like you said about, you know, you had All Blacks playing on the last tour. It's a pity like that the the, the, the franchises aren't stronger because it would be cool to see even guys around the edges of the, the Springbok squad, like even just getting to see them play. But yeah, you're right. Like the, the window to impress is is so, so narrow. Um, I agree with Luke about Ian Henderson. Um like I think he he would have been very very close to be getting the the, the call ahead of Conor Murray as well as as captain. I think if he was nailed on to start in the first test, which I'm not saying he is, but I do think he's in with a great chance. I think he would have been right up there in terms of guys to to captain the Lions. And I think you know whenever Johnny Sexton calls it a day, I know they're they're priming James Ryan for it. But I think Ian Henderson is a guy who could really really push into that role as well. So I think a lot will depend. Um, much like Bundy Aki's chances for me, test chances for me, um, Henderson's chances hinge on who plays six. And I reckon he'll go with Courtney Laws um, at six for his physicality. And if he does... Let it fly, Byrne. 
I think so. I think he will, yeah. I think Ty Byrne is going to be on the bench and I think he's going to go Laws at six. And I think if Laws plays six, I think Henderson can start with a Toje then in the second row. Um, I can see both your shock looks, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I could, but wouldn't be surprised if he goes Laws for the physicality, especially up against uh, Peter Steph, the toy. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to match um, like for like there with Ty Byrne coming off the bench to match the bench. I think Ty Byrne gives you that, no? I thought that was a big factor for Ty because he plays a lot of second row. He's kind of got the weight. But Jesus, he's so mobile too. Uh, I'm surprised to hear you say that, Jeff. He he doesn't hit near as hard as a Laws, though. I mean, like Law, like I'm not talking about the, the versatility. Like Laws is much more physical. They're different types of sixes. I, I would. But he's a way stronger carrier than Laws. Yeah, I just think Laws, it, like he hits so hard in defence and stuff. I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, obviously, I'd love if Ty Byrne does start, and I hope I'm wrong, but. They're going to need, obviously, guys to match the, the bomb squad on the bench as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Ty Byrne like, is going to be one of those, one of those people. But, I, yeah, I, that's just what, the way I feel he's going. I think he's going to go for a meaty, um, a meaty back row, to be honest with you. Like, um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see how it plays out. I thought Tom Curry did well tonight as well. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's in there. He's very good. But Hamish Watson was brilliant against um, the, the Lions, wasn't he? He was fucking really good. Yeah. Yeah, back row is kind of the one area as yet where there's still, you could have four or five or six almost different combinations. Like number eight is up in the air, open side's up in the air, line side's up in the air. It will be, and, and again, there's not that many games to, to put your hand up. I actually, maybe there's talk of maybe rescheduling the Bulls game for the Wednesday before the first test, which they played uh, the Chiefs before the first test of New Zealand. And Elliot Daly and Lee Williams started that game and actually played their way into the starting lineup, even though it was only a three or four days um a window so it can still be done so that could be actually be a very valuable rescheduling potential yeah they're also trying to get a game it's worth pointing out on Saturday they're trying to find a game I don't know who or what they'll be against uh, probables versus um, possibles would be pretty cool wouldn't it a full, full blooded not that that would ever I don't think there'd be enough possibles or probables given that <laughs> you could decimate yourself yeah. yeah do you know what actually we didn't talk about which I think was very interesting is the Elliot Daly situation that one is um you know, Robbie Henshaw looked fairly nailed on. And obviously he's got the hammy thing now. Um, Bundy's playing pretty pretty good. Uh, they're, uh, you'd feel like they're try, they'll try somewhere to get Farrell in the team, regardless of whether it's, the, you know, it's a mistake or not, in my opinion. They will, they will try and get him in there somewhere, I think, because of his leadership. Squad, obviously, you know, view him as a big leader. So they'll try and get him in somewhere. You know, what about Elliot Daly? I mean, he's got that kicking option. He is, he's a very good 13. I've played against him with 13 a few times. He's excellent there. Good tonight as well. pretty decent tonight. I thought he had a better game tonight than Chris Harris did. Chris Harris was, was decent, actually, but Daly, look, Daly looks pretty good and he's got that pace. He's, like he's absolutely rapid. Yeah, and it's it's almost a pity like that. Even when he was named as a centre at the outset, I, when we did the podcast, actually, the day he, the squad was named, I was like, he hasn't played centre. He's not a centre, but Warren Gatland obviously sees because like a lot of the English media will tell you that it's by far his best position and it's not fullback mm. or the wing. So um, I think though, if Robbie, like Robbie Henshaw's hamstring has got to be a concern. Like it just reminds me of the last World Cup. Like, mm. I mean, he just couldn't, he couldn't shake it off until, you know, the latter stages. So I think if Robbie Henshaw is fully fit, um, he's nailed on to start ahead of Harris and... Um, and Daly, obviously, I know they could put him in 12, Henshaw, if they wanted, but like Gatlin has been raving about him um, and they're not going to rush him and stuff, but like a hamstring is so tricky, Luke, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's got to be right. Yeah, in the backs, it's a killer. Yeah, like it really, and like your confidence kind of gets shaken by it as well. Um, Would you start him in the oh, first he's, 12, he's, he, he's my starting 12 every but if time. He doesn't, if he doesn't play again before the no. first test, do you start him? No. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta guess. You can't go into a game like that cold, really, can you? Mm. Big risk. And yeah. they have guys who are playing a bit like Bundy's playing well. Yeah. Um they have options. So, yeah. so you think- and like the thing about Daly as well, and we probably haven't talked like his kicking from distance on the veld. You got two games in Joburg. Like he, he you know, like Leinster got abs- like he basically finished the game off against Leinster uh in the in the RDS, like with those fifty five meter kicks. Like remember they got those scrums. And he just like the game was over. It was fifteen. Was it fifteen three or so? Fifteen nil at uh, you know after was it twenty five minutes? Nineteen three at halftime was it? Fifteen three and half time. But I think there was yeah like he, he just was blasting them over from everywhere. Twenty two three. Like sixty meters is not uh, is is not outside his range up there. Like that's such a, a an asset to have. So Luke, do you think if if everyone is fit and everyone's playing well and that that it will be Robbie will play twelve? Is it? 
with oh, I think I think that's their best team. Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm unsure about thirteen. Um, I think they might try and play daily. I like daily there. Um, yeah, and I know they played uh, Bundy and Robbie together. That like that's definitely a possible combination. But if I was picking it, I'd have Robbie at twelve. I think he's really really good in there. Really meaty and physical. Great line speed off the line. Like he's a real joy to defend outside because he just keeps coming forward. Like it's it's hard to describe, but he he heads into uncertain areas that are uncomfortable as a defender to go into, and he just keeps coming forward, and it makes the, your tackles outside way easier. I love having him in there. He's really physical, um, and he's got great skills too. So yeah, that'd be my preferred position for him uh, with Ireland too. Um, and then I, I yeah I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning daily. I like him up there. I think I like his pace on, on the hard ground as well. I just like him out there. Um, and I think he's a good footballer. He's got the left boot for you as well if you're stuck. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I, I, I'd I like Daly in there. But look, we wait and see how it all unfolds. He might want to be very physical in there. Like if you have Robbie and you have uh, Aki in there, you're very physical. You know what I mean? Like it's a meaty, they're a meaty pairing. Mm. And they're both good footballers too. So yeah, that's an interesting space to watch. Sorry, did I interrupt you? Well, I just I thought that was an interesting one to discuss. You know, no, no, there's lots of good selection topics, and it's interesting that even at this juncture, you could probably make a pretty compelling case for pretty much every Irish guy in the tour to potentially get into the starting team for that first test. I know there's a, a good bit to go, but and hopefully we get there. Start well. against Japan. Mm. It's a lot to be said for it. Isn't yeah. there? Like, I think they all got off to a pretty good start there. I don't know what Keane thinks. But yeah, so we kind of teed up before I started how important that first game was. Turns out a lot more important if some of the games are going to go by the wayside and you mightn't get another chance or some guys will be, you know, have to self-isolate and mismatches. That first impression is key. Yeah, and they're like, it's key for so many reasons, yeah, because like they're living in each other's pockets. Like they're not able to get outside. They're not able to do anything. And even, you know, I was going to laugh in there. There was a clip at the end of the game and Tyke Furlong was um, in between Itoje and Owen Farrell and obviously cracked a joke or something because the two English lads are just like, you know, roaring, laughing, like, and you're just going kind to of like, that's what the Lions is like, you know, Wexford man in the middle of the two English lads, like cracking a joke. You're like, yeah, so it looks like they're, you, you, you have to say, they, they look like a close bunch. Um, even the way they turned it around today, you know, I know the opposition again, but like they still looked pretty, pretty sharp from what they're doing. So um, yeah, they look like a tight bunch, which would definitely count for something as well come the test series. Mm. And just to move off the lines, uh, you know, as we fin- go to finish things up, Ireland, Japan last weekend, Luke, it was the kind of the big game of the two games they'll be playing over the over the summer period. You know, Andy Farrell went with pretty much the strongest team available. It was a really exciting game to watch just as a neutral, but from an Ireland perspective, you know, with a couple of days to reflect on, I know you were working on it on Channel 4. Like, were you impressed? Um, impressed is probably not the first word that comes <laughs> to mind with it. Um... Japan were great. I was glad. I was glad they got the win, and they bounced back from a few poor parts. Uh, I thought really well. Um, you know, uh, look, I, they played more rugby than than a lot of other teams. They played together quite a lot this year. So I was I wasn't sure whether to be very harsh because I thought some of the defense was terrible, um, or to kind of give Japan praise and to say, look, there was obviously going to be a few messy parts because Ireland they haven't played together in a couple of months. Um, so I was really torn on this one, to be honest with you. But I, there was a lot of stuff that I was like, there's some basic, basic errors. I mean, the kickoffs, it, was, it took Peter O'Mahony heading back there to sort that out. Um, that was disappointing because even like the, your locks can miss them. But even the positioning behind the locks was like way too close to where the ball was dropping. Basically, the ball, it's just, sorry, I'm harping on about a small thing that I was looking at as a winger going, what are you, they're so close there. Um, some basic errors, you know, and then um, they made Japan look very good. And then the other part, we were saying, geez, Japan, like the skills on show. I mean, like the, the ball handling ability, like they were happy to go backwards, even when Ireland were having good defensive sets and just continue to offload the ball. It was kind of a bit like sevens. Um, but then, like, most of the backs were able to kick it, uh, you know, well, like nice crossfield kicks. Oh, Taurus Grubber for that try, unbelievable on the inside, on his inside foot as well. Like really, really nice. But like, if you look at the defending, like it was, oh, it was terrible. Like it was so bad. Um, I tell you, I'd have, a, I'd have a few concerns about Joey Carberry's defending. I thought it was really, I like, yeah. I, I, maybe that's just because I prefer him at fullback, where you can kind of hide him a little. But he just look. I'm not sure he's that up for the physical stuff, you know. Um, I thought James Ryan as well was a guy who like he's still trying a bit too hard for me. 
Sorry, I know I'm picking out a few things, but he gave away a few too many penalties for me again. Like, you know, he's tr- he's trying to get the big play all the time, whereas sometimes you just need to get those 60% ones where you slow down the ball slightly or you... You know those kind of ones he's trying to make. He's trying to get like a hundred percent, like a turnover. But sometimes the really good players, they like they just every single part of the game they touch. It's like a sixty or it's a fifty-one percent, fifty-one percent. So I thought he he needs a bit of work. Like I was kind of seeing more of what Gatlin might be is looking at, and maybe why he's left him out. Um, and then there were parts of his game I thought he grew into it and was really good at the end. Um, so look, I know I've picked out a few individuals there. Maybe haven't. I, I I was a bit mixed on the performance. Well, I was glad they got the win. They bounced back well when they conceded the tries. Um, and I thought they took advantage of some very very poor Japanese defense off the lineouts. I mean, Jesus, like there was the softest try. Like once you get in behind Japan, they're the softest team ever. Um, but um, they took advantage of that. And um, yeah, they, they they looked like a you know I'm hoping they'll get a bit better next week. But there'll be lots of guys introduced, I think, in new caps, so that might be difficult too. Yeah, Kimer. Anything you want to jump in on from what Luke said there? Um, yeah, I was at the game as well. Like I just loved watching Japan. Like it was just they're just so exciting. Um, like yeah, you're right. Like the Utamura kick was just unbelievable. But even he his cross, he had a cross field kick at one point as well. And like it actually just curled over. Um, whose head was it? Um, it might have been Shane Daly. Just curled perfectly over his head. Just like had it on a string. Uh, just so so much fun to watch. From an Irish point of view. Yeah, like I still feel like they're struggling to find their identity. Um, like, what are they about? What are they trying to do? I mean, it's a couple of years now into the rain, and it's still a little bit iffy. I thought there were some good things. Um, I really liked Stuart McCloskey's try. Um, there was a lot in that that, that I enjoyed. Um, I'd have been critical of Ireland's lack of a counter-attacking threat. I think it was it was good to see Joey Carberry taking that on. I know he got a bit lucky with the bounce, but he was still trying it. Um, I really liked Hugo Keenan hitting the line from full back there. I thought Keenan had another really good game. Um, and then you had like an offload at the end from Peter O'Mahony for McCloskey um, scoring a corner. So a few little things there that was that was nice, but probably like um, a, a rare enough glimpse of the actual style of what they're trying to do. Like it was clear that it was so important for Andy Farrell to, to win the game because he picked the strongest possible team and his use of the bench, you know, suggested that as well because the game was in the balance. And I know... Like people, a lot of people were disappointed that maybe Gavin Coombs didn't get longer for his debut. That Craig Casey got ninety seconds. Um, so, yeah, well, we are. Coombs one was particularly annoying, wasn't it? Which one? Coombs one was particularly annoying. Yeah, look, I was like, the more I talk back at at the time, I was like, yeah, it's it's so frustrating. But I thought O'Mahony was with Josh van der Fleer, Ireland's best player, and you're, I, I totally agree with you. I think he helped steady the ship so much in terms of the restarts and even at the line-out. I thought he had a really, really good game. So if Farrell was placing, which he was, like huge emphasis on getting the win, I could understand why O'Mahony was uh, left on until he was. Um, but yeah, like I, I, can, I can see both sides because these are the windows where you, know, you have to take advantage of the fact that it's not a Six Nations game. Like You've got to see how these guys are going to handle the pressure. But I suppose... Farrell's argument would be that the likes of um, Hugo Keenan, um, Caelan Doris are still relatively young at um, international level. So, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot going on. I, I thought it was a cracking game, really, to watch. Like, but it was mainly because of Japan. But th- there's going to be so many changes you imagine this week. Like, there's definitely going to be some guys be kept in. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if James Ryan, Josh Fender, Joey Carberry, like certain guys get kept in. But it's not going to, we're probably not going to see a progression, are we, into next week because it's going to be a totally different team. So it's very hard to kind of, you know, build up something. So, yeah, like it depends on, on how much stock you put in Ireland, you know, playing USA. Like if the purpose of these games really is that come November when the big tests roll around again, that you want a, like a couple of guys that are really putting their hand up for a selection. I suppose my fear would be that, I don't know, like whoever, take your pick. Um, if Craig Casey starts against USA this weekend and has a stormer, is that enough in Farrell's mind for when November rolls around because he only gave him 90 seconds off the bench in the bigger of the two summer tests? So they'd be the kind of issues I'd have. Yeah, just that one, the Casey one, because I, I like, was tweeting you about that as well. Someone you know, tweeted me back saying, oh, because like they only had one back left on the bench and he was worried about Carberry. So I was like, okay, I'll maybe give that some credence. But 90 seconds is 90 seconds. Come on. Like, they were eight points clear. With, like, you know, if you can't even give them 10 minutes, even or seven or eight minutes, even. Like, I, I thought I maybe would agree that, to that to a point, potentially, but not to, 
90 seconds is 90 seconds. It was token. I completely it? agree. I thought it was a joke. Like, it was poor. Like, take the risk. Like, gee, like, no one's going to kill you for taking the risk against Japan. Like, if he had said, look, and so if someone had gone down in the last two minutes and they'd lost the game, like, does anyone really get, like, I want to win. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I want to see Casey. Like, I want to see him. Like, he's been really good. Like, and, and uh, Gibson Park wasn't having a great game either. Like, what is, I don't know. I, I, I just, I didn't get it. And uh, Coombs has been brilliant for Munster. And he was very good when he came on. He looked calm. I looked, I was watching him kind of player camming him for a few bit. Baird was brilliant. Mm. But Coombs was really good too. Like, he just quietly went about his business. Like, didn't get, didn't, like, he got one penalty against that was a completely poor, that was a terrible yeah, referee terrible decision. Ball, yeah. Actually, excellent steal. Um, I really liked everything about him. He wasn't trying too hard. He just fit into the into his, uh, into the team seamlessly. Baird looks outstanding. Like he's built for it. And I thought Daly was very good in the air. Now, whether or not he's a he's a winger, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't look like he's got like out now pace, like a you know, a Stockdale uh, or an Earls, but he looks very good, rug, like a very good rugby player. He could be one of those kind of utility type guys, but he chased the ball brilliantly in the air. Um, and actually got the team back into the game, I thought, a little bit himself. And Omani kind of steadied it off the kickoffs, and he chased really, really well, made a complete mess of the ball um, for Japan, who have a very good counter-attacking team. Like Keenan, too. Yeah, completely agree with Keenan. He looks very settled at this stage. Um, but, yeah, I was really disappointed with the Casey one, and I've taken the risk with at least... If, you're, if you are considering that, and that's fine, seven or eight minutes at least you give him. Uh, you take the risk that someone's going to last, you know, that, like that someone's not going to get in in the 30 seconds after you put them on and you're not playing five or six minutes with 14, but you can survive that anyway. Like, I think that's not a bad thing for a team to be trying to survive at this stage as well, because Japan play a nice open brand. It would have been good for them to survive 14 minutes with, uh, 40, with 14 men should the worst have happened. So I don't know. I, I didn't like I it. Think I, in, I, it I think in hindsight, and even without knowing that there wouldn't be an injury, like, I mean, like at the time, I think he he would regret not bringing Casey on when he brought Coombs on um, with ten minutes to go because didn't something happen in a previous game as well when Casey was on the bench and he like barely got on or didn't get on or whatever? But I don't think he got on against France yeah. and then he got like two minutes against Italy. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, and like the thing about Coombs is like and I totally agree with everything that that Luke says. You're you're not so much taking a chance with this guy. I know he's uncapped, but it's Munster's player of the year who's been outstanding. Even against in that Toulouse game, you know, up against a pretty much all international pack, he was outstanding. You remember that tap tap and go try he scored. So while okay, he's uncapped, but like you're not talking about a total rookie here who has barely played any rugby. So I think that was a, a bit disappointing as well. But like I said, O'Mahony was going well. So um, I don't agree with Baird. Not like. I, I don't know what you think. I find Andy Brown to be a very, a very, very conservative selector from what I've seen in the last since his side of his reign in terms of the starting team, how he uses his bench. It's a really conservative selector. I don't know if you agree. I do. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he he's. Um, I think he missed an opportunity in the weekend to test a lot of guys against. Um, even I even thought the squad. I'm not even sure I picked the, like. All of those guys, anyway. Um, to be honest with you, I'd I'd have, I'd have probably started Coombs, yeah. um, you know, and I just I just started Casey. Like we know what we get with Jameson Gibson Park, and he's a good player. But like like Coombs looks snazzy. I, I like him. He's like his service is so good. Like Harbury, I think would have really really benefited from getting that kind of service, an extra half a second on the ball. Uh, and they're obviously, you know, they would have played a lot together in Munster. So I was a bit disappointed not to see him start. If I'm being completely honest, I thought it was an opportunity missed. Um, I, I like to see Delan out there. That was good. Like I like him as an athlete. I didn't think he had a great game, but uh, I was like, I you know, I like to see him out there. Um, I thought that was a big chance miss for him. Actually, I I did. I, I felt the same watching it as well, Keen. I, I thought like, he struggled off the kickoffs, mm. and some of them weren't. Some of them were ones he should have just blocked. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like there were some of them were awkward ones. We were just saying, here, listen, that's the wingers. Just block the winger. Yeah. Um, you know, and he, he could he could have done with a bit of help from an early call behind him. I thought, but look. Uh, you live and you learn on that one. Um, and I would have liked to see him get on the ball a little bit more. He had a lovely, um, lovely tip, a couple of lovely tip on passes. And I agree with you. Like, he's such a super athlete. And he's had a decent season with Connacht, you know, 
he's taken on the line out calling and stuff. And I really felt like this was a big chance for him, you know, to push himself into that bracket. But then, you know, you see Ryan Baird coming on and I agree with you. Like he took a brilliant restart as well. And you see, he's just flinging Japanese bears off him for fun. Like, and then his sidestep, by the way, from, from oh. Michael Leach was, I know he like, in the slow-mo, I put up a gif of it. Like, it, like his knee looked like it could have absolutely buckled, but it was just, it was just like, um, uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, with the bulls, the, the, Help me out, what you call him? The don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the red, yeah, red rag to the bull. What is it called? A mechanical bull. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't you know. know the, 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 I can't see you doing that. Sorry, yes, the yes, the yes, okay. Yeah, I got, I had a brain fart there. Yeah, he was like that with Michael Leach. It was just so good. But like, I, I reckon he's got to be primed for a start this week. Just let him loose against uh, USA. But again, if he if he shoots the lights out against USA, is that enough for him to? feature against you know in november in the big test like that's the big question isn't it well i think he'll be playing for leinster now that, yeah. uh, he'll be playing more for leinster now that um farty's gone mm. Mm. you know like farty was a big leader in that group but i think they were always waiting like i think they've timed that really well um he looked real loose last year like just you know you know one of those guys like just like such a good athlete he's obviously had it all his own way all the way up because he's just so much better than everyone else I'd imagine but now he's with the big boys he need to tighten up his game a little bit um I think he'll do that and I think he's a star I think he's I think he's going to be a, a cla- if he can stay injury free I think he's a star he just needs to find he needs to find that sweet spot in his game where he's tr- you know still doing those great things but just tighten up the loose ones he tried a few loose offloads here and there last year I think uh, that I watched or dropped a few ones where you kind of said just tuck it under there use your physicality um, like a seasoned kind of international will uh, he looks ready made to be a star to, to, to my mind and he's got that little bit where sorry by the way 100% at 6 though 100% at 6 like I think he's the problem is Ireland are pretty low around there but he's he's a, like he's see the pace you see that you don't you don't you don't kill that pace in the second row by getting him to do all the grunt you, you, you let that guy loose in the back row somewhere and he's a brilliant line-out option for you then as well. They should, if he is going to be a six, they, they, they need to decide, I think, either way. I, like, I, I don't think it's going to help him to be switching in between the two because I think he's so good. Like They're both very different positions. I think you, you, I would prefer certainly to see him play one or the other anyway in terms of going forward. Oh, the power though, do you see the run back and like the power, you let that guy at six, no? Yeah, yeah potentially, yeah. But if he's going to be at six, I think Leinster should make the call but like I said Fardy leaves a big hole in, in their second row that's why I was surprised they potentially didn't go out and sign you know even well, a, they have Dev still Dev still signed up but in terms of a foreign second row I think they could have they could have done with someone in there to be honest with you but um, yeah I think it, whatever position he's going to play I think they've, they've got to nail it down because I agree with you he's just Ireland in, in this country we don't produce too many athletes like like him do we just utter power like and he's so quick as well like I mean I'm pretty sure he keeps up with most of the backs like in in Leinster oh, games, like. I, I, he'd be a nightmare he'd embarrass you in training like just see him running back for that uh, that kickoff yeah. or sorry that kick in behind but like then the run afterwards like he still had the energy to go and you know have a big powerful run after like he looks I don't know I think he looks like a star an absolute like he's a proper stud he's a bit of a like he looks even like he might even be quicker than Ty Byrne mm. to me oh, say he looks rapid yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be where they where they play him, and even if he if he starts in the Ireland uh, team's name tomorrow, but as for the moment, it's, it's Wednesday night. But I feel like we've already gone through a week's worth of rugby news to today alone. Uh, so God knows what it'll be like uh, come this time next week. But for the moment, Keen Luke, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, cheers, lads. That's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing. We will be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, or listen at independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.